that when you went out on those first dates that you dressed your worst. Or that you made sure that the car was as dirty as it could be. And I doubt very much that you ever wanted to say something silly that you regretted that you ever would say. You respected her too much to approach her that way, especially if she meant anything to you. Well, when Jesus teaches us how to pray, he sets the proper tone as well, doesn't he? He does that when he teaches us to address God as our Father in heaven. And it sets the tone to what the spirit of our prayers should be. Prayers of awe, of reverence, that way, and prayers of trust, faith. Remembering the one to whom we're praying is going to help us to remember the way that we ought to be praying to our Heavenly Father. So tonight we want to consider a little bit then, focus our attention on Jesus' teaching in Matthew 6-9, to address God as our Heavenly Father. We use Isaiah 55 to assist us with that. But of course what Jesus is teaching us there sets the tone for our prayers unto a reverent tone, but also unto a one that is filled with trust and faith. So we'll consider, first of all, the calling uh, to be reverential. When we hear Jesus' command to pray our Father in heaven, it helps us to keep our prayers and everything about our prayers in perspective. And whether it is our speech, whether it is our posture, whether it is our attitude, and basically when it comes to ourselves and how we are considering him in relationship to ourselves. When we pray our Father in heaven, we right away are led to understand who we are not and who God is. When we address God the Father as our heavenly Father, we're to see on the one hand that reverential difference between Him and us. And that's, of course, designed to make the difference in the Spirit of our prayers, the shape that they take. What's easy to do, after all, is to see God the Father, and certainly a lot of modernism wants to do that, to see God the Father as, as the servant in our prayer. That He takes that role, and we are the masters. We're like, we're like Aladdin, who is rubbing his magic lamp and the genie pops out and says, what is it that you want? Or we look at praying as, first of all, that which is about our cause, and maybe if there's room left over, if there's any scraps, then secondly, it's about God and His cause. There's temptation, of course, towards that. Such attitudes are part and parcel, of course, of a more general problem when we come to pray to God the Father. And even just approaching God, period, uh, in our day and age. And of course that's been a problem. It's not just in our day and age. It's something that's always been out there. Uh, as long as we're on this side of glory, there's always that issue about being irreverent 
and disrespectful to God in, his, in the terms of His holiness. It's like we're, it's like we're coming to our bride-to-be uh, and we're to be married and we're to, to commune together and we come dressed with no respect for the one whom we are to treasure and that we are to respect so highly. We fail to see how God's ways, like our passage says, are above our own. And His thoughts beyond our thoughts. We fail to recognize that we're coming before the heavenly throne. Now it is a throne of grace to be sure, and we will talk more about that, but we also need to remember it is nevertheless a heavenly throne. And we're tempted when we block these things out or we're, we're not mindful of that or we don't, or as can happen, where people don't care about it, is that we're tempted to pray robotically without much thought, without much concern for what might or may or may not come out of our mouths. We might pray like we're ordering off a menu with no sense of gratitude. It's as if we're coming into the cafeteria of the throne room of God seeking to pick out what we want. Or as if we're at City Hall and we're complaining because we don't have a street light in front of our house and we're sick of or we're sick of waiting for this pothole to get fixed on our road. We're tempted to pray as if the world centers on us rather than centering on God. We're also tempted to pray very individualistically as if God is only our Father, as if we're really praying, my Father who is in heaven, rather than our Father who is in heaven. And nobody else matters except for me. Now, our posture can sometimes betray us. Our posture can sometimes show that we've forgotten what we're doing when we're praying. We've forgotten to whom we're praying. We can be slumped over or as if we're trying to keep our heads from falling out of our hands or we can pray with impatience because not just because we aren't getting what we want when we want it, but maybe it's just because we want to dive into our food because we're so hungry to eat. We can also pray like we're talking to a wall or, or as if God were, on the other hand, some mere friend that we just met at some party that we went to. But when we slow down and we think about how Jesus taught us to pray, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, and think about what that means, then we're reminded, aren't we, of what a privilege it is for us to pray. While I call him Father, it's only as we confess, only because of Christ. More than that, he is our heavenly Father. And that makes a holy difference. That makes a world of difference. A difference of respect, to be sure, in divine degree. Because then I remember that he's the father and I'm the spiritual child. Now he's mine. I, I say that he is our father, but I belong to him 
he's altogether good and he's altogether wise and, and that deserves my respect and my loving reverence. And so I don't pray trivially and I measure my words and I pray for things that are worthy of prayer like his cause and my needs in light of his cause. And I remember my posture and I, I take care in, in how I present my prayer, not as his master, but as his spiritual child. And I ponder all that he's done for me and all that he's promised to do for me in Christ. And, and what a privilege that I can say that for the sake of Jesus Christ, I, I can not only call him my Heavenly Father, but I can also speak to him. I can speak to Him for the sake of Jesus Christ. Scripture calls us to be near to God in our passage here. and uh, Or it tells, tells us about that in, in Scripture. We hear about calling on Him while He is near. It does call us also in another place to be near to God and He'll be near to us. Certainly part of that calling to be near to God is to acknowledge how great He is. And what a great privilege it is for us to call on Him in the name of Christ. But when we're devoid of reverence, we're, we're devoid of nearness to God, aren't we? And that's partly why Jesus taught us to address our prayers, Our Father who art in heaven. The other big reason for teaching us to pray this way is for the sake of trust. If we need to remember who we are not when we come to prayer, which is what we do when we come in reverence, we remember who's holy and who isn't. We remember who is the father and who's the child. We remember who's the servant and who's the master. If we remember who we are not when we come to prayer, so that we won't lose sight of reverence in prayer, then we also need to remember who we are when we come to God in prayer, so that we might rightly trust our God. In our passage, God certainly calls the people to himself so that they would know remarkable change in their lives. They've come to know pardon. They've come to know peace. They come to know gladness. They would, in the immediate context, come to know the return from Babylon to Jerusalem in a new exodus of sorts. And so they would, they would know remarkable transformation, remarkable change. See, the opportunity... For that change was made available because our text does say that the Lord was near. Would these people trust God and take advantage of the opportunity and seek Him? That they would seek the Lord while He may be found. See, praying is meant to be an expression of faith and trust. Now, prayer can be done and, and has been done without the sense of trust or expectations. It's always remarkable to me, uh, sadly humorous, if you like, that sounds parad 
like a paradox, I guess that is, it sounds like a contradiction in terms, but, you know, Peter's friends prayed for his release and then didn't believe it when Rhoda came and reported that he was at the door and had been released. They said, you're out of your mind. You know, prayer by its very design is, is carried out by those, you see, who haven't given up on God, but they trust that God is able and willing to do as he has promised. When the Lord says that we should seek him while he may be found and call on him while he is near, we may wonder what kind of times that he may not be near or when he may not be found or what times he may be near. But he is near whenever his word of exhortation comes our way. He's near today. He's calling us to put our trust in his ability. And it's a remarkable thing. To put our trust in his ability to change our lives and the lives of others and to change this world for the better. That his kingdom would come. That his will would be done. That his name would be hallowed. That we would know pardon from our sins. To believe that he can do exceedingly more than all that we can ask or imagine. He's, he's near. Whenever the gospel is proclaimed, which is the opportunity, of course, to respond in penitence, in faith, in trust, that God really can bring remarkable change, transformation to our lives, young and old alike. He can save us and He can sanctify us in Christ and certainly supply for us whatever we need. As long as it's called today for us, God is near, proclaiming to the world that it is a day of salvation. But when the day of our death arrives and we haven't responded to that proclamation, that opportunity to respond in prayerful trust and faith passed. And then we would have missed the opportunity to be changed, to be saved in Christ, to have our spiritual exile from God removed and the nearness of God as, as his children in Christ to replace that exile. And, and we also lose out, of course, on the nearness of God when, as we mentioned earlier, we ourselves are not near to God. We don't want to be known as those who do not think that it is good to be near to God. We, we, we don't want to be those kind of people we, we won't pray to him because we stop our ears to his word or we just don't want to hear it. And, and when we don't want to hear the word of God, we aren't near God. When we don't want to hear the word of God, we can't say that God is near us. How can that be? Because we're keeping ourselves as far from his word as possible and his gospel and his commands 
including, including the command to pray. And so when we're persistently unfaithful and rebellious and impenitent, we're not near to God. And sad to say, God is not near to us. We don't want his change. We don't want what he has to offer, and we do not want to do what God commands, so we certainly are not going to pray with a sense of trust that God will do for us what we need him to do to change our lives for the better. And that's a sad state of affairs to be in. We will not be praying that, that he'll make us right with him in Jesus Christ, <laughs> let alone that he might, in light of that, sanctify our lives. Make us more and more what he'd have us be until that day when he takes us to himself in glory and makes and carries out the fullness of that transformation that he has in store for his people. But when we as believers set the tone, you see, that God is our Heavenly Father as we address him. Not that we hope that he's our Heavenly Father as we address him, but that he is. Then we remember that while for the most part earthly fathers open their hands to what we need in love, then when we think about the Heavenly Father, we recognize that that happens on an even greater and divine level. God our Father opens his hand to us that way. And his heavenly fatherhood causes us then to respect him, but his heavenly fatherhood also causes us to trust him as we ask of him what we ask. And our passage certainly underscores that point to us. Really, the reverential side and the trustworthy side. If you see the need for change in your life or in this world, be it on the physical side or a spiritual side for the sake of Jesus Christ, if you see the need for those changes, you see the need for prayer. And then when we pray our Father in heaven, we are setting the tone that our God is not only not too small to hear us or to help, But we're setting the tone that we believe that even in the issues that we face, the Lord is near. And He'll be our helper. And He is faithful. And He'll see to it that His name will be hallowed. And His kingdom will come. And His will shall be done on earth as it is in heaven, that he will supply our needs, he will forgive us our debts, and he will deliver us from evil. All in his timing. All as he promises. And all in accordance with his word.
we may seek and find Him. We may call because He's near. We may trust Him as much as we revere Him. Remembering God the Father as our Heavenly Father assures us of this. It sets the proper tone. So we seek the Lord while He may be found. And we call on Him while He is near. And we're called to do that as those who are called to know that He can do exceedingly more than all that we can ask or imagine. And we do so in response to the Gospel which shows that the Lord is near. Calling us to salvation, calling us to a sanctified life in Jesus Christ. We seek the Lord, we call on Him as those who with reverence and with trust believe that we're a spiritual child of the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we seek the Lord and we call on Him. And we do so as our Savior has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, so that in awe and trust we know again and we're, or we're reminded or we come to an understanding that we're a child of the Heavenly Father. And as we pray to Him this way, not only will praying to Him this way make all the difference in how we pray, but praying to this God will make all the difference in what happens to us in our lives. The changes that need to happen, they'll make all the differences in our prayer that we pray to our Father in heaven. Let's take a moment as we have heard from God's word to respond in prayer, shall we?